Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 16. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 16. No, it's not Christmas, but uh, this is part of the Christmas story. Uh, you know, when I was, uh, when I heard the news that Sherry was pregnant and that I was going to become a dad, I was actually pretty intimidated by that. And I began to think this feeling of this weight of responsibility, also excitement, uh, was there. And I, th- I told God, I was talking to God about it, I said, Lord, I, you know, I, can, I think I know how to raise a boy, but I don't have any clue how to raise a girl. And of course, our first child was Megan. So, uh, but, uh, you know, God has been faithful, and I found that I could go to God, and I could call upon His name when I didn't know what to do, when I was confused, and God is the perfect Father, and He's able to guide us. He knows our kids. He knows how to lead us and work in us to help them become the people that God has called them to be. And so, God puts them in our home for a reason, And then God gives us the task of helping them become those people that God wants them to be. Train up a child in the way he should go, right? There is a way, there is a bent, there is a goal, there is a purpose in the life of each and every child. They're made in the image of God, they're fashioned for God's purpose, and we have the privilege of helping them become who God wants them to be. And so uh, this scripture we're going to look at today um, is a description of Joseph's side of the story, of the Christmas story. Uh, But it also reveals to us some things about Joseph and who he was. Think about this. Of all the potential men on the face of the earth, God chose Joseph to raise his son. Is that not an impressive thing? Uh, God said, this is the kind of man I want to raise my son. Mary and Joseph both were incredibly influential through their kids. Of course, Jesus is the most influential man to ever live. And he still is changing lives today as the risen Savior. But they had a number of kids. James the Just was their son as well. And he became the pastor of the Jerusalem church uh, shortly after Jesus ascended to heaven. A very influential, godly man of prayer. Uh, They called him Camel Knees because he spent so much time in prayer he developed calluses on his knees. Uh, They had another son named Jude who was also a spiritual leader in the church of that day. Both James and Jude wrote books of the Bible in the New Testament, and those, those books are included in the New Testament. So you talk about some influential parents. Uh, Joseph and Mary were very influential people. Uh, so what do we see about Joseph's life that made him such a remarkable choice for a father for Jesus, a human father for Jesus? And Uh, And that's what we're going to kind of look at today and talk about today. And uh, we, as God's people, uh, need to pursue godliness. But if you're a man and you're a father, you need to pursue godly fatherhood through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, and through trust 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, the title of my message today is, The Father God Chooses. And so, if you'll look with me at verse 16 of Matthew 1, let's begin reading there. It says, In Jacob, Father Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the exile to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the exile to Babylon unto Christ, 14 generations. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, or betrothed, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her and did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. So, the Father God chooses. How can you be the kind of father God would choose? Well, first of all, you need to take responsibility. You need to take responsibility. Look at verse 16. Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, who, by the way, that word who in Greek is in the feminine. Okay? Uh, who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Christ. And so, in other words, Mary gave birth to Jesus, and Joseph was not the father. That's what the significance of that pronoun is. Uh, all the others in the genealogy, uh, you know, if you have the old King James, so-and-so begat so-and-so, that kind of thing. Uh, but um, here, Jacob uh, fathers Joseph, but Joseph doesn't father Jesus. Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom, feminine, was born the Christ. And so, Mary gives physical birth to Jesus. Now, Mary, according to the Gospel of Luke, was also of David's line through David's son, Nathan. So, uh, he was a physical son of David, but he is in this genealogy because Joseph names him at his birth, and in so naming him, adopts him as his son, and he becomes part of the line of David through Solomon as well uh, as the adoptive son of David. So I, I tell you all this basically to tell you this. Joseph took responsibility for a child that was not his physical child. Now that's important. Listen, there are a lot of men out there in this world who, ha who don't take responsibility for their children. And that is a sin, and that is a shame. As godly Christian men, we need to take responsibility, not just to provide their physical needs, but to 
be spiritual leaders in their lives and to help them become the people that God has called them to become. Joseph took responsibility. And talk about a daunting responsibility. Joseph's task is to raise the one who is the Son of God. Can you imagine how intimidating it would be to teach the living word? The scripture. <laughs> so if you ever felt intimidated as a father, Joseph understands how you feel. Uh, and, and so uh, I'm sure he prayed. I'm sure he asked for God's help and God's wisdom and these things. Uh, but, but he took responsibility to raise Jesus as his own because he felt it was what God wanted him to do. And the angel gave him a specific message to take Mary and to name the child Jesus. You adopt this child. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Um, God sometimes uses adoptive fathers remarkably in the lives of kids. I remember when uh, Zach McGill was here and we used to pray. In this, this front pew here, we'd pray uh, asking for a child for Zach and Kara. And at one point, he told me, he said, he said I, I feel like we're supposed to adopt. And they ended up adopting a little boy. And about, I think it was about maybe three months after they adopted him, she got pregnant. Uh, but, you know, it's amazing how God works. And God was such a blessing, I, I know is still being a blessing through Zach and Kara uh, to, uh, I, believe his, I believe his name's Luke, to little Luke's life. And, uh, uh, but... Uh, you know, God, God will take and use a father. Listen, you don't have to have great skill. If you love your kids and you point them toward Jesus Christ, you'll be a good father to them. Just, just take responsibility to, to bring them to church. One of the greatest things you can do is take responsibility to bring your kids to church. I know that the trend has been to come to church once a month, right? That's the trend in our current day. How about this? Set the goal to bring your kids to church every Sunday. Wouldn't it be great if your kids expected to be in church every Sunday? What a heritage of God that you would give them in, in taking responsibility to bring them to the house of God. That's a seed planted that will bear fruit in their lives. Um, so take responsibility. Take responsibility to, to pr provide those needs for those kids. And by the way, I know women generally work outside the home today. But, but the responsibility for that lies with the husband, according to Scripture. The man is, is called, you say, well, you're old-fashioned. Well, that may be, but that's what the Bible says. Okay, It's a man's responsibility to earn a living for his family. And so, uh, you know, make sure you do that, and make sure you take that responsibility to be a spiritual leader in your home. I used to kind of feel like I failed in that. I, I'll just be honest with you. I the spiritual leader part of it, I, I, sometimes I'd feel like, well, Lord, I just, I don't talk about you enough with my kids. I don't, I don't put you out there enough. And, and uh, I, I began to pray for opportunities to do that, that God would help me see those opportunities to talk about the Lord and maybe to share something I learned or maybe a prayer that had been answered. But uh, look for those opportunities and invest in your kids. It will help them tremendously. And, um, uh, can make a, a serious, profound difference in their lives. All right, so the Father God chooses. How can you be the kind of Father God would choose? First of all, take responsibility. Secondly, model purity. Model purity. Look at verse 18. 
it was discovered before they came together. In other words, they hadn't had sex yet. When you were betrothed in the Jewish culture, you were considered married. Uh, it's like, kind of like being engaged today, but it was more serious than being engaged because you actually had to end it through divorce if you ended it. Uh, you were considered married during the time of the betrothal. You didn't consummate the marriage during the, the betrothal, uh, but uh, it was still considered adultery if someone had sex outside of that relationship during the betrothal. Before they came together, she found out she was pregnant through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God did a miracle in her. Look at, uh, look at what it says in verse 25. But did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. See, Joseph was sexually pure. And that, that's something that is, has largely disappearing in our culture today. There are still some people, I think, that are sexually pure. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. And regardless of your past, if you failed God, listen, we all failed God. Praise God, it's under the blood, okay? So don't get hung up on that. But from where you are today, be pure in the, in the eyes of God. Not just pure in the outward actions of being faithful to your wife, but be pure in heart. Uh, Job said this. He said, "I will set." Uh, he said, "I will. I will not look at a young woman lustfully." I made a covenant with my eyes. Uh, Job says, "I am choosing to look away from things that might be tempting to me, rather than look toward them." That's difficult in today's culture, right? Because it's everywhere, everywhere. If you look on TV, if you look on billboard, if you look, uh, you know, uh, wherever you look. There is temptation in this culture. Learn to, to I, I, I record my stuff so I can fast forward. You know, fast forward that thing. Get, you know, if there's something that comes on. If it's bad enough, I'll turn it off. But uh, try to model that purity before your kids, and you'll do them a great service. Because, listen, I'm going to tell you, it's hard enough to deal with temptation in this world but it's especially hard if you don't understand how to keep yourself mentally pure. Uh, you'll give your kids a skill set uh, if you'll model purity before them that will help them quite a great deal uh, with temptation. It's not that they won't have temptation. They'll still have it, but they'll understand how to kind of uh, be careful in their thought patterns. Listen, I'm going to tell you, if you're constantly feeding things into your mind that are impure, that's going to have an effect on your spiritual life. Uh, and it can lead you down a path to further sin. Uh, so, it, you know, Solomon told his son, don't even go down the door or down the, down the uh, street where the prostitute lives. Uh, you, you stay away. And so he gave counsel. Uh, listen, set that example of moral purity in what you listen to on the radio. You say, well, what can I listen to? What can't? I'm not going to tell you you can't listen to a certain genre of music, okay? That's between you and God. I'm not going to be legalistic about it. But if God convicts you about it, turn the station. Teach your kids that garbage in, garbage out, right? Well, what kind of movies can I go to? Listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you a rating, okay? Although I do have an opinion on it, but 
Listen, uh, that's between you and God, but you be careful what you feed into your mind and especially what you feed into your kids' mind because moral purity matters. Uh, Listen, you want to bless your kids' relationship with God, you teach them how to be morally pure. Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Who has clean hands and a pure heart? You see, it's that person. None of us are, by the way, none of us are completely pure. None of us are sinless. Uh, All of us fail. I need to probably say that. But the more you can walk in purity in your life, it takes care of those barriers between you and God. Yes, you can deal with it. You can confess that sin. He's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Yes, the path will be open and the way way of fellowship will be open once more. But if you can do purity, there can be uninterrupted fellowship. See the difference? So, if you can teach your kids purity, you'll be helping them tremendously in their spiritual walk. Now, you can't make those choices for them, but you can set an example, and you can teach, and you can counsel in that. So, uh, the Father God chooses. How can you be the kind of Father God would choose? First of all, you need to take responsibility. Secondly, you need to model purity. Thirdly, you need to practice righteousness. Verse 19, so her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, or being a just Man, this word sometimes is used in legal context, and it, it, that's that's the, the way it's used in the book of Romans. Uh, but uh, here it is used of the practice of living a righteous life. He's being a just man. How is he being a just man? Well, he is is thinking of somebody besides himself, which we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, but he is also living a righteous life. He's doing what is right and just in life. Listen, we need men who will stand up and do the right thing in this culture, don't we? Uh, and, and praise God for those men who do. And uh, I, I love what Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, Tony Evans said when he was growing up, he had a drug problem. He was drugged to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, it wasn't an option. The same thing was true in my house. You, the dad didn't ask us whether or not we were going to church. He said, get up, we're going to church. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, we were exposed to the things of God. And I thank God, I praise God for that, for the investment that was made there. But, but it's more than that. It's doing the right thing in your business dealings. Being just and fair in your business dealings. It's doing the right thing uh, in your family relationships. Uh, When there's temptation or there's pressure, it's taking a stand for Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? Your kids will watch what you do, and they'll imitate what you do. And if you're saying one thing and you're doing another thing, they'll watch what you do more than they listen to what you say. So if you want your kids to have a heart for God, Set the example. Practice that righteous lifestyle. None of us are perfect in that. We all have faults. We all have failures. Um, Listen, there's none righteous, no, not one, if you're talking about God's standard of righteous. But there can be a pattern of righteous living. 
Uh, Proverbs says this, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people groan. Listen, I want to tell you something. If you're a righteous dad, your kids will rejoice. Now, they may, it may take them a while till they learn enough wisdom to rejoice about the righteousness in your life. Uh, but they will rejoice. If you're a wicked father, your kids will groan. Kids will groan. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Listen, you'll be a blessing. The Bible says the words of the righteous are like a fountain of life. You want to impart life and vitality to your kids. Live a righteous life. I love what Peter said. Jesus had had some of the people were deserting him because of, of some of the things he was teaching. And Jesus said, are you guys going to? And Peter says, to whom shall we go, Lord? You have the words of life. To whom shall we go? Oh, that we would have godly fathers who their kids would recognize. To whom shall we go? You have the words of life. My father is a man of of the Scripture. My father is a man of God's truth. If I, if I want to know something about wisdom or about godliness, I'll go to my father. To whom shall I go? He has the words of life. Be in the book so that you can impart uh, God's truth to your kids through the power of the Holy Spirit. So practice a righteous life. Joseph was a just man. He was a righteous man. And God knew that Jesus would be blessed in his care. So the Father God chooses. How could you be the kind of Father God would choose? You need to take responsibility, model purity, practice righteousness, consider others. Look at verse 19. So her husband Joseph, being a, a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. The penalty for adultery in the Old Testament was death. But the Jews were under Roman rule, and that could not be carried out. Uh, so generally what they would do is if there was adultery, divorce would take place. Um, Joseph is thinking about how to do this. How, how can I do this? And he says, I don't want to disgrace her publicly. He, she, as far as Joseph knew, had been unfaithful to him. She had embarrassed him. But Joseph is considering her, her feelings, how these circumstances are going to affect her. He's considering others. Listen, if you want to be the kind of father God would choose, consider others before yourself. Love puts others first. Uh, Of course, God first above all else but others before yourself. Um, what, did, what did God tell husbands? Husbands, loved your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, right? We lay our life down for the sake of someone else. That's a good principle for child rearing too. Now, that doesn't mean you, you abdicate your authority. I think you need to uh, exercise authority and you need to discipline and uh, God put some extra padding on the rear end for a reason uh, so that we could, we could discipline when those times of defiance come. But I, I, want, you, I want you to know, um, 
when you love your kids and you consider them, that will mean the world to them. Uh, a, a good father is considerate to his family. And, and, and when you make decisions, you don't just think about how that decision affects you. You think about how that decision affects my wife. How does that des- decision affect my kids? And, of course, number one, is it God's will? But a, a wise man, a godly man, what, one scripture says a godly man considers the life of his beast. In other words, you're, a godly man even considers the the animal that he has in his household, right? How much more should we be considerate about our families? Uh, Joseph has been wronged, at least he perceives that he's been wronged, and, and yet he is still considering her and thinking of her. That's the kind of father God would choose. That's the kind of father uh, that I think probably all of us would want. You don't want a father that's just going to think of himself. You remember Laban in the Old Testament? He always had an angle to benefit himself. Uh, and you get a, just a, you, you see it as, as he treats jo, Jacob, uh, the ways that he treats Jacob. When Jacob leaves, he, he kind of opens up and he, he confronts him. And he says, look, you changed my wages ten times. And, you know, if, if my wages were the streaked animals, then you said, well, your wages are going to be the spotted animals and, and so forth and so on. And you kept changing my wages, and, and uh, I slept out under the, the stars, and, you, you know, I, I did all this, this hard, hard work for you. And uh, his daughter said, well, didn't he treat us like slaves, his own daughters like slaves and used us and sold us? You know, and, and they saw that Laban was in it for what he could get out of it. It was all about Laban. He was selfish. So the opposite of that is to be considerate and loving and to lay yourself down for others. So the Father God chooses. How can you be the kind of father God would choose? You need to take responsibility, model purity, practice righteousness, consider others, and seek direction. Look at verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. So God gave Joseph direction in two ways through the angel. He said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Go ahead and get married. And when the child is born, name him Jesus. So he gave him two very specific things to do, and and Joseph did those things. Um, I, I mentioned seeking direction because I think, you know, J- Joseph is trying to do the right thing, right? He's thinking about this. He, but one of the words here that's used is, is it's deep concentration, meditation, thinking, what, what am I going to do in this situation? He wants to do the right thing. And God meets him where he is, and God communicates his heart. The Bible says, and interestingly enough, this comes from James the Just, Joseph's son. If any man need wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and abrades not, and it will be given to him. Um, we can ask God for wisdom in raising our kids. We can ask God for direction. Listen, I remember there was a time uh, when when David was in middle school that uh, we were kind of just button heads. 
and I honestly didn't know what to do about it. I could feel that there was a distance growing uh, in our relationship, and I felt like uh, I, I went to God about it. I was praying about it, and um, I said, Lord, what do I do about this? And I felt like God said, shut your mouth. <laughs> I just needed to shut my mouth. And so whenever I would get on to it, I would pray first, and I'd say, Lord, do I need to say something about this? And many times I'd feel like, nope, keep your mouth shut. And our relationship improved, and, and he, we'd, in, when he was in high school, we did great together. Um, there was a time when Megan was, was little. She was going through that season called the Terrible Twos, right? I think she was about three at the time. Uh, but um, I was struggling with her, and I, 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 did, I wasn't sure. I, I said, Lord, it just seems like this keeps getting harder, and I, you know, uh, what do I do? And I felt like the Lord was leading me to show her more affection physically, to hold her more, to hug her more. And you know, I did that, and it worked like a charm. And her, her behavior improved with that. Um, there have been other times uh, in, in specific situations that I won't get into that I have asked up for God's counsel and said, Lord, I'm not sure what's best in this circumstance. Lord, will you work out what's best in my kids' lives? Will you show me if I need to provide counsel here? Show me what counsel I need to give, when I need to speak, when I don't need to speak. Sometimes that's an important thing. So we can ask God for those things. Uh, we need to seek his direction. And, of course, seek his direction in his word. It's amazing to me how people will um, seek the latest Christian counselor, even a Christian counselor, uh, who may say something that goes against the Word of God. Did you know just because somebody has Christian in front of their name doesn't mean they're necessarily telling you what God says? You need to understand that. Um, but sometimes people will seek a counselor or they'll seek uh, maybe somebody they know in professional life to give them advice about raising their kids, but they won't listen to God's Word. How foolish. Listen, who knows better how to raise kids than the one who designs our kids? Who knows better what is right and what is just and what is good in child rearing than God? You say, well, it's old-fashioned and inappropriate to spank. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You don't need to abuse your kids. I, I, don't, I don't believe in that. I, you know, don't hurt them, Okay. But a little sting on the rear end is a good deterrent, and it's a good thing. And the Bible says it will drive foolishness out of the heart of your kids. You want your kids to be wise? Exercise that discipline for those times of defiance when they defy you, um, and you will teach them wisdom. Uh, better for your child to experience a little mild pain in your household than then to, to experience devastating pain from harmful choices they make in their life because they haven't learned discipline in the home. I didn't mean to go there, but anyway, uh, seek God's direction. Come to God's Word for the authoritative direction for how to raise your kids, and then seek Him in prayer. And, and listen, God can guide you through those times of life that you, where you're confused and you don't know which way to go, and He can help you be that kind of father. Joseph was responsive to the Lord. He listened to God. He sought 
his direction. He wanted to do what's right. And because of that, God blessed him and gave him this incredible privilege of raising the God-man, Jesus Christ, in his home. And uh, what a blessing that was. Uh, listen, I, I, all of us have made mistakes. I've made mistakes. I preach to myself half the time. <laughs> and uh, uh, one of these days, Jesus is going to come back and we'll get it all together, won't we? But until that time, uh, listen, don't worry about the past. The past is the past. Uh, whatever mistakes are under the blood. But go forth in faith, responsive to the Lord Jesus Christ, and let him use you. If, you, if your kids are grown, let him use him in the lives of your grandkids. And uh, put these principles into practice uh, so that those kids can ra be raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for our fathers. Thank you for these men who are here today who are fathers. And uh, God, thank you for the positive influence they have in the lives of their kids.